When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and I answered them as best I could with stories I picked up along the way and things that are rattling around inside my head. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where I try to take the questions of the day and answer them as best I can. And today we have a teaching of Jesus in our gospel lesson that answers the question, can I eat carbs? Can I eat carbs and still be a Christian? Now, that might seem like a kind of wacky question to ask um, and that no one is asking, but it is essentially the question of diet culture. Can I eat bad food and be good and think of myself as a good person? I'm a good person, we say which means essentially at the heart of our nature, we didn't intend to do the bad thing that happened that we did, usually. I'm a good person. I didn't mean to hurt you. And yet, we don't always feel so good. And diet culture has told us that there are bad foods. In fact, there are foods you can cheat with once a week. You can cheat once a week on these foods or with these foods, almost like you're having a good marriage all week. And then once a week, you can go cheat on your spouse. Um, that's how we've talked about food in diet culture. And we're all part of it. I'm part of it. We all have ideas and thoughts. We will purify ourselves with intermittent fasting, which used to just be called fasting or actually used to just be called eating at regular times, but now it's intermittent fasting. It's a thing you can do to be more pure. And then from diet culture, we get into the questions about alcohol. I grew up in a teetotaling religion. I grew up in a faith that pretty much made people sign papers saying they would never drink if they joined this church. Very anti-alcohol church. Um, and not just neutral on the subject, like a lot of evangelical, non-denominational churches are today, where they don't, you know, come out and say it, but they'll never have serve alcohol. This was a church that actively promoted total abstinence. And what this did was it created a culture where there were people that had been had problems with drinking and had relational problems and life problems from their drinking and they found great freedom in this. And there were others who had never drank a drop in their life who used this teaching to become superior to other people, when in fact most of them would probably not have a problem with alcohol. And so Jesus' teaching in Mark 7 also confronts this question of, is it okay for me to drink? Um, in many states in our country, we now have legalization of marijuana, and the question is, um, can I smoke and be a Christian? Can I enjoy that plant that grows from the ground and still be a Christian? And like everything, Jesus answers these questions with a series of teachings in Mark 7. And our lectionary edits a lot of it out, maybe to make it shorter, but maybe to 
leave out a few things. But he talks about, Jesus talks about religious devotion here. What does it mean to be a follower of God? And we do have traditions of washing pots and pans and bronze kettles, um, which Jesus makes reference to. Um, Mark's, Mark's gospel is the record of Peter's preaching in Rome, more likely. That's the tradition on what this gospel is doing. Mark is a disciple of Peter. He's writing down Peter's sermons or maybe Peter's dictating stories to him. But we have here, according to church tradition, Peter's account of his life with Jesus. And so he's writing to a secular or at least a Roman audience that doesn't understand all the customs of Judaism. So there's a lot of things in Mark that uh, Mark's gospel explains to us that the other gospels don't because they're geared to a Jewish crowd that would already understand a lot of the ceremonial things. If I'm writing to an American audience, I don't need to tell you what a McDonald's is. I can just say a guy walked into a McDonald's. If I'm writing to an audience, well, maybe that's not a great example because there's McDonald's everywhere. But if I say, um, if I if I write a story about an American, or how about a Texan? A Texan walks into a barbecue joint. Everybody knows what that is. Whereas if I am writing to an international audience, I need to explain what barbecue is because that might not be something everybody knows what it is. They might think of a charcoal grill, a dad on a weekend with an apron and some tongs clicking them, barbecuing in Ohio somewhere. That's not barbecue in Texas. So our terminology has to be explained depending on who we're talking to. And Mark is talking to a non-Jewish audience. So his disciples are not washing their hands. This isn't about cleanliness, although it was about cleanliness to some degree. This is about his disciples not observing the exact ritual specifications that was required. There was this tradition among the elders to fence the law, to build a wall around the wall. If the wall around these bad things, taboos, are meant to keep people out of them, why not build a wall around the wall? If you don't want people drinking alcohol, don't let them drink root beer either. Better to not drink root beer and make that your struggle than the actual struggle with drinking alcohol. Lots of religions do this. Lots of people do this. People in diet culture remove all the bad food from their house and their refrigerator. Don't keep any of it. That's why raising kids is so hard in diet culture because you have to keep all this food that your kids like out of your house. Oh yeah, this is the struggle, right? Um, or why people that don't drink don't go to bars um, because they're around drinking. It makes them want to drink. Um, this is called fencing the law. And sometimes we have to do this kind of stuff. I'm not saying it's bad or anything or good. Jesus doesn't really comment on that. What he comments on is the real essential struggle of the human life what defiles a person? What defiles a person? The things that Jesus points to that defiles a person, one is economic. Um, he, says that, um, he says that even though the law says very clearly, you have to honor your father and mother. And if you ever speak evil of your father or mother, you must be put to death. And that's the law that Jesus was living in. Um, 
But you could get around taking care of your parents if they were sick or elderly by saying that you had given your money to God, even though you hadn't. You had just devoted it to God so that you couldn't spend it on your parents. And so there's this economic sin and economic defilement that's happening in Jesus' time that he's addressing. And he knows people in the crowd are doing this. They're not caring for their sick relatives, especially even their father and mother, because they want to keep that money for themselves. That is what defiles a person. It is that greed and avarice and lust to hold on to more. Then Jesus says, you know, everything you ingest in your body um, goes into your stomach and into the sewer. (laughs) I mean, like Jesus is talking about the digestive process. He's like, that's not going to, it's not, that's not going to mess with your heart. What's going to mess with your heart is fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly, and all evil things that come from within. That's what defiles a person. It's the stuff that comes out of us, the stuff that seems to be so much part of us. I'm not a bad person, we say, but all this stuff can come out of us. Fornication, our, it, which is really immoral sex. It is sex that we have lied to get, we have deceived to get, we have not been honest about ourselves or, or about who we are or what we're about, but we see an opportunity for sex and we take it. Um, theft. There's lots of ways to be a thief. Murder. Pretty obvious there, but also goes into the hatred of another person. Adultery. This is for married people to seek sexual gratification and relationship outside of the covenant avarice that's that stuff of stealing stuff from your parents stealing from other people wickedness deceit licentiousness envy slander pride folly um not being responsible in the ways we need to be responsible we could parse through what all these terms mean but ultimately they're the stuff that we do the stuff that we do when we're not well the stuff that we do when we're feeling low, the stuff that we do for self-preservation many times. But Jesus is saying, this is what defiles a person. And it's not intractable. You can recover from all this stuff. You can be healed from all this stuff. But the way you avoid all this stuff is not by eating a certain diet or not drinking something or not smoking something. That is not the way you avoid this stuff. You avoid this stuff by being close to Jesus and his heart, by learning from his heart, seeing in his life this pattern of healing, seeing in his death this self-sacrifice, and seeing in his resurrection a new start, and you have this in you. You are a good person. You have this in you. You have Jesus' life inside you. You have this ability to do things from a good heart, and not from a corrupt heart, even though we are all tempted with these things. Jesus is calling us to say, instead of focusing on what is going into our mouths, into our bodies, let's focus on what's coming out of them. And this is really the test of who is a follower of Jesus, not what goes into them, what comes out of them. And there's all kinds of reasons not to drink alcohol. 
all kinds of reasons to eat clean or eat good, all kinds of reasons to do these things. But one of the reasons is not to be holy and pure. One of the reasons is not to be good. You are inherently valuable no matter what you eat or drink. You are valuable to God because God made you. God loves you. And God is calling you to a life where this kind of stuff doesn't come out of you. Where you're not known for these things, but you're known for being someone that out of you comes a river of life springing up. This is what Jesus offered to the woman at the well. This river of living water that will spring out of you and feed and give thirst and quench the thirst of people around you. I know people in my life who quench the thirst of the world. They are people that are like rivers of life. And if you know one of these people, they are probably people that are in the spirit. They are living this kind of life that Jesus calls us to. It's a beautiful thing to see. And you can be that person. You can be this person. Not because you don't ingest a substance, but because you pour out from a heart that knows how forgiven you are, how loved you are, how blessed you are, and offers that blessing and love to the world. Amen.